everyone. This is Nanette from NanetteFayGordon.com, and you're listening to the Fire After 50 podcast. This is the spot where I sit down with passionate women over the age of 50, and we explore what lights them on fire. Women who listen to their own intuition to design a life they love, many in unconventional ways. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the next episode of the Fire After 50 podcast. Um, Today, I have a very special guest uh, with me, and I'm really excited to have some great conversation with her. And I know that it's going to be a great conversation because I can actually feel myself sort of vibrating already around what we're going to be talking about and, and how I already feel about her. Um, and I just want to say a little bit about how I met her. Um, I was visiting a family member in her neighborhood and, um, my family member asked me if I might be willing to, uh, attend the church, uh, on Sunday morning that was up the street. And I, um, am one that grew up Catholic Um, And as of about 18 years old, when I was able to make my own choices around that, um, I chose not to do that any longer. Um, And I really struggled with um, organized religion. But because of my family member who I adore, of course, I was like, yes, whatever, whatever you'd like to do, I'm happy to do that. And so we went to the sweetest little church up the street we walked that morning and we walked in and the most beautiful vibrant charismatic woman greeted us at the door and not just shook our hand but shook our hands and put her hand over the top of our hand and immediately I thought I'm gonna like this place and we went in and sat down and oh my goodness um it really It was a magical experience for me. It was a a surprising experience for me. I didn't really intend to enjoy it at all, truthfully. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I want to introduce you uh, to Reverend Wendy, Wendy Olapade. And I have struggled a little bit with her name. I practiced before we started. And she comes with a passion for creative and emerging worship, a heart for justice and extravagant welcome, and the provocative instincts of a prophet. Reverend Wendy brings holy joy, an evangelist spin, and a sense of celebration to all that she does. She's a fan of R&B and gospel music, loves art, theater and film, and is the proud mother of Alexander and Aaron. Most importantly, she loves Jesus and is ever so grateful to be saved by grace. (laughs) Friend Wendy, thank you so, so much for being here with me. Mm. Mm, Thank you. Thank you, Nanette. Oh, gosh. Um, What a, what a, my heart was fluttering as you described your experience of coming into our sanctuary and being a part of our worshiping community that morning. And, um, and um, yeah, I'm really honored that you asked me to do this. And I can't wait to talk about, about all the stuff uh, that you want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And so one of the things that was in, in your um, bio that I just read is your extravagant welcome. 
Mm. And that actually is the first thing I want to talk about because that, besides your beautiful welcoming as we're coming in the door, that your extravagant welcome, as you put it, um, is had me in tears. It, it really had me in tears. And um, I guess I'll explain why after, but can you just explain your extravagant welcome and how you started it, where it comes from. Can you explain that? Yes, sure. I'd love to. Um, You know, I'd like to claim ownership of that, but, (laughs) but it's Jesus, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and very explicitly um, uh, uh, a value of both our local congregation, the one that you came to, and the denomination that we're a part of, the United Church of Christ. So, um, you know, we are a, a, a extremely progressive, out there kind of uh, denomination that wrote the book, literally wrote the book on uh, being open and affirming uh, to LBGTQIA uh, identifying folk um, that 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 wrote the book on inclusive language, where we open up and and move away from, you know, sort of patriarchal perspectives. The you know the first denomination to ordain a woman, the first denomination to ordain um, a person who identified as gay, the first denomination to ordain a black human, you know. So uh, so it's 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 built into um, uh, my DNA as a pastor. I was trained up in this value system that says everybody's got a place nobody gets excluded and that started with jesus you know he there's there's texts all over the new testament that demonstrate that commitment to everybody being welcome um it's 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 steeped into our particular congregation in a really powerful way and i'm so blessed to hear how you experience it that way because we work at that it's mm-hmm. it's in the language that we choose it's in the invitation to come and receive communion um we do that every week and we make fun of it it's you know there's a there's a funness to it yes um, but it's i picked really up on that funness yeah. piece too yeah. which yeah but we're really serious about it um so uh so yeah and it and and you know it's funny i i um having spent my entire ministry as a second career person i came into this um in my late 30s um uh but always here in in the greater boston area where the progressive part of our denomination started like the open and affirming movement started in the church that I was ordained in at church of the covenant in Boston. That's Um, amazing. Really? Yeah. 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 So, so, so my experience has been that it's always been that way, but, and then I, then I meet people like yourself or, you know, people around the country. And I, then I remember, oh gosh, it's not this way for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, And so it's a very, very special thing. Um, Even if you don't identify as somebody who's not the dominant culture Mm -hmm. um, to come into a space where um, everybody is welcome and we're explicit about that. That's Mm. a pretty amazing thing because belonging and connection duh right 
Right. Nanette, like yes. that, what else Something. is there in That's the it. human experience That's it. Than, than being a part of? So, yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, it was part of the welcoming that really um, grabbed me was, you know, the welcoming of, of, you know, everyone, um, all demographics, but, and I'm sure I'm going to get your words wrong. Cause I think I've repeated these about 10 times to other people. Cause it was just so amazing to me. So I might get it a little bit wrong, but this is the gist of it. Yeah. You started by saying, if you went out last evening and you had too much to drink, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> if you went to Foxwoods last night and you blew your paycheck, welcome. I mean, and then you went on and on. And the more you talk, the more I was like, oh my Lord. I mean, I come from a place that you had to go tell your sins before you were able to come to church on Sunday morning. Right. And, right. You know, that, that I felt, um, first of all, the, the patriarchy, um, in the the church that I grew up in, but secondly, the what felt like hypocrisy to me, um, and this is my experience, my personal experience, it felt very much looking around the church on Sunday morning, and we had filled. I have six siblings. We filled the pew. Oh, oh yes, right. I remember it, that part of your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I just felt like. Um, if I wasn't, if I didn't pretend to be perfect, I might not be welcome. I think that was kind of the bottom line. And to enter your church and feel like, oh my gosh, like it doesn't matter. And what it really felt like, and I kept trying to put this in words last night in my own head, what it felt like was you are realistically acknowledging that we're all human. Come preach for me, Nanette. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Like bring your yeah. humanness yeah. and let us, let us heal that and thus transform the broken bits for you, with you, along, you know, alongside of you. Cause, cause, cause in my theology, we don't have the power. We don't have the capacity to do that alone. You know, if we did, we'd all be perfect. <laughs> none of us would be drunks. None of us would be sinners. None of us would be, you know, broken, having broken marriages. None of us would yell at our kids. You know, none of us would overeat. I mean, we would, right? We'd just be perfect. We'd just be perfect. But right. in fact, it is so human to be other than that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you call it brokenness or uh, we say in AA, I, I, I don't you didn't take the liberty to do this, but um, I happen to be somebody in very long term recovery. Um, it's coming up on 36 years. And um, so I practice the 12 steps of, um, you know, the 12 step programs and. Um, you know, and, uh, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? <laughs> um, I think uh, the perfectness, we were talking about the perfectness. Oh, the character, right. Thank you. I, we, we, we talk, talk about character defenses. Uh, you know, we, we, we have behaviors as humans that we develop to defend ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, in the world against other humans. Come on, sure. let's face it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, how do we shift? How do we transform, heal those spaces that caused us to create that? And, you know, a faith community, 
the way of Jesus, the way of love, um, inclusion, belonging gives us a space to do mm -hmm. that together. So it's I think beautiful. that's why, uh, you know, that's why, that's why I think church is different and does something that you can't, you know, you can get all, I mean, I can, you can get a better sermon than I can preach on YouTube, right? <laughs> what you can't get. <laughs> I would probably argue with that. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, what you can't get is that human to human connection that you get in community. And people get that in other places. They get it at the gym. They get it at, you know, uh, at a, at, at neighbors gathering around, uh, you know, potluck meals. Um, uh, but there's this special, there's this special grounding, which is the love. Yes. Uh, that is, uh, that is what Jesus or what God, I mean, it doesn't have to be Jesus. It, God's asking for the same thing, right? right. What God well, is inviting us to, to be right. Yeah. And it also feels like if it's a, if it's a meal around the table with neighbors, or if it's going to the gym, there also feels like there's a part that you have to, um, uh, you have to present yourself in a certain mm. way to be maybe liked or to be accepted in one of those, whether it's the gym or it's around the table of your neighbors, there's an expectation of um, you have to present yourself in a way, in a certain way. And when- Or it, even competition, right? Or and, even competition. Or yeah. even competition, exactly. Yeah. Which that feels very different than walking into your church. It didn't feel like I had to prove anything to anyone. It was basically yeah. the fact that I was there. I walked in with my family member and that's all I had to do. It didn't matter. It felt like it didn't matter what I looked like, who I was, what I had done the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and that to me was just such a beautiful beautiful thing yeah so, I, I love that you remember that and that it has such impact on you I I, I can go to sleep tonight um saying I did my job <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and so you know you talked a little bit about um that you have been an AA for almost 30 years and congratulations that's absolutely huge yeah, yeah, it is. So tell us a little bit about how you got where you are right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that part of the story is very um, foundational to how I got to um, be in ministry. Um, I was in um, marketing and sales with AT&T for what ended up being about 15 years straight out of college. I was in a management trainee program. Um, you know, it was the, uh, it was the, uh, the late seventies when all you had to do was have a college education and somebody would give you a job. <laughs> um, uh, and I happened to have a family member. My dad was, uh, was a lifelong employee of the bell system and, mm -hmm. uh, so off I went into that uh, with, a, you know, he opened a door and and I got through it. And um, and, you know, it's funny. Um, I mean, we're talking about women uh, in in their uh, over 50 and their in their passion. And it, it, it's funny. I mean, I in retrospect, I certainly spent those 15 years you know, banging my head up against ceilings as one of the few women in the workplace that I was operating in. Um, but I was, I, you know, I was, I was hard, hard, hard working. I've, I've often been referred to as a workhorse uh, <laughs> uh, that I am just, you know, I have that ethic, uh, that Protestant work ethic that my dad mm -hmm. was, 
you know, be, you're responsible to be a servant. Uh, and, um, and that's in me. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. so I worked hard and I was successful and I made moves, but I was using alcohol and drugs the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so there was an experience there of being a woman in a man's world for sure. Um, uh, but I got, I, I, I started to have problems. Um, and I, uh, I woke up kind of one day in 1987 and, you know, had a sense that I kind of hated myself more. Oh, shucks. I'm so sorry. I didn't, didn't turn that sound off. Um, but I woke up, um, uh, one morning, um, was having panic kinds of, uh, experiences. So some sort of mental health questions. Um, and I, um, I realized that I, uh, sorry, I just want to make sure that sounds off. Um, I realized that, um, I hated myself more than anybody that I knew. Mm. And, um, I was struggling, um, mm -hmm. went and got some help, uh, from professionals and, you know, one thing led to another and, Somebody said to me, you know, uh, Wendy, it seems to me like you just don't have a rule book for living that's going to help you to manage your life. Your life is kind of unmanageable. Little did I know that this therapist that I landed in was a person in 12-step recovery. Um, and I was like, that sounds good. You know, give me a rule book. I'll take the rule book and learn. You know, I'm smart. I'm a college education. I, you know, I can figure it. You know, if you give me the I book. I follow the rules. Out, right. Uh, and then, uh, the following week she said, well, uh, let me do a little digging, you know, it's like, so she, she didn't, she didn't hit me with what was really going on. And, um, next week she said, you know, there's a couple of places that you could look into getting this rule book. There's a, uh, there's a, there's, there's literature, there's people, you know, but the people who wrote the book are in Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I think you could just go there and they would teach you what you need to know. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, what like, an introduction. Clueless. Huh? Such a, such a wonderful, like, introduction. Invi yeah, yeah. Way door, in, sort right, of. right, 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 yeah. right. Like, she didn't ask me to face what was really going on. She just yeah. said, these people have can give you a solution. Mm. And so, you know, the good news is that that's why I went. Mm -hmm. And I went, I, I, and, and I had the experience, maybe a little bit like what you just described, where I went into my first AA meeting and I saw this, the book calls it conviviality. You know, I saw what I hope, what I really was looking for in the bars, right? Sex, mm -hmm. uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw this connection and I saw people being happy and I thought, oh gosh, I want that. Yeah. And so I'll pretend to be an alcoholic so they'll give it to me sure. <laughs> uh, about a year later uh a year into sobriety i kind of really it kind of landed that i really was one of them um and um i have been it's actually 36 years in december uh, i have been practicing the principles of the 12 steps for all that time and i've really dug you know deeply into the spiritual um toolkit that the 12 steps are mm. um and the principles and the values that they represent which are things like honesty and hope and faith and courage and integrity and willingness and humility oh humility 
I love humility, self-discipline and love for others and perseverance and, and, you know, turning around and giving it back, serving, being of use, um, and certainly uh, practicing spiritual practices, spiritual awareness. So those principles became a part of my life. And I decided that this higher power that I got to decide on who, what it was for myself was I, I needed somebody to help me define what that was. And, and I, and I also was hoping to find a boyfriend. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I was 32 years old and I wanted a partner and I wanted, you know, I saw children out there. My clock was ticking. And so I went to church mm. uh, and um, you know, that's a long, there's, that's a long way to how I got here, but after about three years, um, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was about five years sober when I had this, you know, sort of dream, if you will, or this, I was sitting in church and I was looking at my, you know, I'm listening to my pastor and it's week after week after week. I'm getting that like feeling the weepies, the, oh my God, it's like, he's talking straight to me. He wrote that sermon just for me, Mm. you know? And, um, I had this vision of, Oh, well, I was, I was going through some changes in my workplace and I had to make a decision about things at AT AT&T. It was that period of time when there was all those changes going on. And so I, um, I went to get some help, uh, with a, like, a um, a guide, a, a coach around job decisions. And he said to me, you do too many things. You need to make it. You got need to make a a decision. You got to, um, specialize Mm -hmm. the world specializing. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a bit of a rule breaker and, uh, and, uh, uh, I don't like being told what to do. And so I was sort of like, screw that. I don't, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a specialist. I love who I am. Right. And I'm sitting in church and I realized, so, but, but I wrote down the things that I was really good at, you know, um, uh, Richard Bolas, um, what colors your parachute? Do you know mm-hmm. that? You know? I do. So yes. I didn't do the, I didn't do the exercises, but I went to the addendum that talks uh-huh. about your purpose. Right. <laughs> Yeah. He says something like, you know, what are the things that you're really good at? What are the things that bring you joy? And what are the contexts in which you um, feel good, like inspired and energized and, you know, given, given goodness. Um, And so I did do that work and, you know, it was like work in a room Yeah, and um, I'm really good at convincing people of things. (laughs) All those things. Yeah. All those things that I'm really good at. And I'm, and I'm looking at my pastor and I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. That's what he does. Absolutely. He's a generalist. He gets to tell stories. He gets to work a room. He gets to be of service. He gets to be, you know, uh, care, care, care for people. And I, then of course I was like, Oh my God, no one will let me do this because I have tattoos and I am a drunk, right? <laughs> who's going to let me, who's going to let me be a pastor? Yeah. I went to him and I told him that story and he, Nanette, as I live and breathe, I'm, I'm reading, uh, listeners, I'm leaning back in my chair and putting my feet up on my desk, which is what he did. And he said, I've been waiting for you. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was in seminary six months later. Oh my Lord. And I've never questioned this as what I should be doing. Oh I question whether or not I'm crazy. 
because it's hard, really, really hard work sometimes. But I've never questioned that this was what this was the path that I was meant to be on. So, yeah, it's been um, that was 19. I started seminary in 1992. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing that story. That was a long story, but no, it's a it was a story. wonderful story and an important story. And it says so much about you. And one of the things that strikes me is that you said that one of the things that you felt like maybe in your AT&T job that sort of pushed you to maybe be drinking too much or, you know, be deadening whatever feelings right. were that you were in a sort of a man's world. Yeah. And here you are. And, (laughs) um, and in my mind, it's a man's world. Um, Mm. But I did do a little bit of research as to the amount of women in the UCC um, church that are in leadership roles. And it looks like maybe more than 50% at this point. I believe it is more than 50%. And we just elected, um, our a new minister and president of the denomination, um, Georgia Thompson, um, and uh, she is a, a, a brilliant, amazing human who um, is both a woman and a person of color. She's a black woman from the she's Caribbean of her- heritage, and um, uh, a no- most most of our top leadership now is our our women as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, we've made some serious progress in this regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, women make pretty great pastors. I mean, we're great communicators. We're great carers. We're great. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. It's. I don't mean to. I don't know. It feels almost like a mother role in a way. In I mean, in many ways, it so is doing so yeah. many things like. You know, us mothers, um, oftentimes women just in general, too, we have to be able to multitask and do all kinds of different things. And when you listed the things that you're good at and that bring you joy, it's it's a multitude of things. And we're, we're us women are pretty darn good at that, I think. We are. And, and generally, many of us yes. are. Yes. yes. And yes. so about that. um have you bumped up in your in your career as a pastor? Do they call it a career? I would call it a vocation, but vocation. yes, I mean it's okay. <laughs> in your vocation as a pastor, have you bumped up against much in sort of society that's like um because you are a woman female pastor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean uh Again, we're here in New England where things are pretty moved along from a progress perspective. I know that my colleagues who serve churches in purple places versus very blue places, for instance, uh, or even red places, um, sort of, you know, the landscape is uh, more red than blue, um, experience a lot more of this than I do. And again, I came into this, I was in my, you know, by the time I was ordained, I was, you know, 30, 38. Um, I had had a career already and a lot of progress. So I didn't have quite the same experience, I suspect. And, but when I was, when I was in my first call, which I, which I, I took a, an associate position, an associate pastor position so that I could grow and learn. And, and cause I wasn't in the church before this. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I was a single parent. Um, I had my, my, I had a child by myself. And um, so I had a lot on my plate. Um, and, you know, I remember, I remember resistance about my body because I was pregnant in the, mm -hmm. in, in a robe, in the, you know, um, people uh, struggling with that visual thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, it's one thing to be a woman and be in that place, but now you're really a woman because mm. your belly's sticking out and your breasts are bigger or, you know, are bigger. And, you oh, know, so I thought of it from that perspective. So that was a, I remember challenge, feeling challenged by that. Um, and certainly in the public sphere, uh, inside the church, not so much, but in the public sphere, um, it's, um, it's still obvious that like, I have a great story about being, um, you know, New England is a very Catholic place, right? Yes. So I, I've had lots of experiences of being a woman and being rejected or denied access or, or just like looked at oddly as I'm walking around in a collar, you know, as a chaplain, for instance, at the hospital and people saying, you know, walking into the hospital room and saying, you know, hi, I'm, I'm the chaplain. Um, I wonder if I might, you know, spend some time with you and people of Roman Catholic heritage saying to me, well, what exactly would you do for me? Mm. You know, or no thanks, you know, send yeah. the priest or, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. some of those kinds of things, which certainly had to do with my gender. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would also say that, um, you know, in any, in, in we are still, we are still moving the needle around equity as humans look at women and men and people of other, you know, non-binary folk, um, and 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 try, but are not successful. You know, we we have what we have these these uh, perspectives woven into us. You know, we what do. what we a do. pastor is supposed to be okay. is a man with, you know. So, um, so I think those things are still out there. Um, it hasn't necessarily affected me personally that badly, um, because I'm pushy and I'm really good at what I do. And, um, you You're know, self-confident too. big person, yeah, big personality. Yeah. Um, I, and, and that's one of the things I loved about you, I yeah. think was your big personality. You know, when I first walked in, it was like, whoa, she is, uh, you know, large as far as like, you know, your presence and in charge, like you opened yeah. your arms at the, in the front of the church. And I just felt like every, you just brought everybody in with mm -hmm. you and mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. just really, really amazing. Yeah. So one of the questions that's really been at the top of my list for you, and I'm not, I hope I say this in a way that um, is understandable, I guess, is one of the things about my podcast that I'm and I'm something that I'm very, very interested in is um, women's intuition, mm. listening to our own intuition and trusting our own intuition and following our own intuition. Because the times mm. in my life when I have heard my intuition, but not followed it, generally it was a time that didn't work out so well for me. And I could look back and say, I knew that the right thing was, and I did not do that for whatever the pressures might've been. And so I'm just really curious with a woman who seems very self-confident, you know yourself, you seem to know yourself very well, who you are, how you got here. 
like where does listening to your own intuition um, come up against like the word of God? Oh. Are there any situations where you've been in a place where you had to maybe do something yourself or working with one of your uh, people in your congregation where the word of God said one thing in your female intuition said another mm. and where, where do those interconnect? Because for me personally, mm. like I want to listen to my own intuition and I want to follow my own tuition intuition and I really don't want anyone else telling me what to do. And it sounds like you're a lot the same, like you're a rebel and you follow your own rules. And where does that bump up against the word of God? Mm. What a great question, Nanette. Um, well, so, so I want to start by acknowledging how challenging it has been for me as a woman of my generation, I mean, I'm at the end of the boomer generation. I'm 68 years old. Saturday was my 68th birthday. Um, thank you. Uh, and it has been very, very challenging for me to get to the place where I do trust my gut. I'm really good at trusting my mind. I'm really good at trusting my hard work, the things that I can do. Um, and I even believe whole, wholly and fully that the way that I'm wired and the gifts that God has given me for the things that God wants me to do are beautiful and a blessing. And I understand what they are. I understand what my gifts are. I understand what I'm not good at and need help with. And that's, and maybe that is intuition. Like I, you know, I, there's a part of me that sort of recoils a little bit about the idea of intuition. Cause I don't, I, I feel like I don't have it, but then again, maybe I do. Um, it's territory that is a little, uh, uh, a little, uh, 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 crunchy granola bar -y for me. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little bit. So just to admit that to mm -hmm. you and say, and still I I don't spend a whole lot of time obsessing about which way to go. It feels like I just know what the next right thing is. And mm -hmm. that's my measure. Mm -hmm. What's the next right thing for me to do? Mm -hmm. And that's where the word of God, I think, comes. Those values that I talked about, the, the principles of integrity and love. I mean, one of the things that we say at the beginning of our worship service is that we're, we are, we're on a simple mission to love God and love people because Jesus taught that love is at the center of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the only worthwhile measure of our lives. It's the only thing that matters. And it's the only thing that can change us and change the world for the better. So mm -hmm. that's the measure, right? Is this, is this response to what's happening either in the world, like, you know, racism or ageism or ableism, you know, the, the Bible, it's funny. I just preached about this in a, in a theme called gray areas, you know, the, 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 the Bible doesn't tell us how to do everything. It doesn't have words that say, this is what you do in this situation, but it teaches us that love is at the center. So if that's your measure to be 
other-centered rather than self-centered. So if you can put your ego aside, that's the first task, right? To put your ego aside and then say, how can I be of use? How can I be an agent of love? And justice is love in action, right? So when there's an issue of justice or equity that fa- that you're facing, whether that's justice in a, in a one-on-one relationship or justice in the systems that we have that mm-hmm. are so messed up, you know, that's my measure. And so if I can, it doesn't ever feel, the answer to your question is, it doesn't ever feel, with that as my measure, it doesn't ever feel like there's a tension. Okay. That's the, and that's, that's what I thought I might hear from you. But, <laughs> but I also thought maybe your intuition is so similar. Maybe what you need and what you believe and what is so right for you is so similar to what God teaches that there's not a lot of right. yeah, There's no tension there for me. Um, so what about self-love? Because uh, I- <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, therein lies one of my great challenges. Um, <laughs> I struggle with when I don't, I mean, I, I have a sticker on my, here we go. I love you, Wendy, right here. Uh, I have to tell myself every day. Uh, and I do, I have a practice. I love you, Wendy. Um, again, I think my generation, I think some of those, uh, experiences that I had that, you know, led me to alcohol and drug abuse, you know, those things, um, are little cracks, right? They're little cracks Mm -hmm. in our souls. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, practicing self-care and self-love is is a is a uh, is still a, a a growing edge for me uh and and I'm getting better at it I'm getting more um and I now my children my two sons are adults and they're around they're they're here they're they're in my life um very actively in my life and and I have a sister as well who sort of says hello what do you how are you taking care of yourself um, that's great And I I have to also say, you know, sort of wrapping back to the question of passion, um, it's so clear to me that it is in the work that I do, which is my life, Mm -hmm. right? There's no separation in this. It's, you know, when, if you're a teacher, if you're right, there's just, you can't pull these pieces apart and say, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to take my pastor hat off and be just me. It's not, it doesn't work that way for me. Uh, Or I think in this role for most people who do what I do. And so while some would say self-care is, you know, going off and having um, quiet time and journaling and, you know, self-care for me is, being a pastor. I, I I am inspired by that. I am, I, I love what I do. I am fed, mm. constantly fed the feed, you know, the infinite, there's this infinity feedback loop of love, mm. right? I give love, I get more back than I give. I give care, I get more back than I give. Yeah. That's so, so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. And I do think that for us women who are not just women, but men too, who are very passionate, oftentimes there isn't a lot of separation between, you know, what we do and how we feel. And, you know, our we, we really have a hard time compartmentalizing. And personally, 
I like that about myself. I do too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I say that all the time. Like, stop trying to make me be what you are. I, this is who I am. This is how I like to be in the world. And I can't pull these pieces apart. So right, I like right. that about myself. Yeah. So if you had to say right now, like the one thing that is most like lighting you on fire that you're passionate about today sitting here, what would you say that is? Well, uh, you know, we didn't talk at all yet about the fact that I get to do what I do with another, with a colleague. Um, and um, he and I, his name is Reverend Tom, uh, and he's actually the pastor of the Hillside Church that you came to. I'm the pastor of Sanctuary. Um, it's two churches that are doing this thing together. Um, so I'm really, really, um, I'm so inspired by um, making the church, making the message of the of the of of Jesus um, as a as a teacher, um, making that accessible for people who, who have been harmed by it, people who um, are resistant to it. I mean, the world is pretty darn resistant to church these days. You know, um, what are you doing here? You don't belong here, What you know, in the city square, that kind of thing. So I'm very passionate about changing that narrative, about letting people have access to a love-based ethic mm. that says, this is what Jesus really said. I had a, I had a woman give me a, this woman who doesn't go to church. She's somebody in the community who, you know, watches my one minute words and follows me on Facebook and stuff. She, I've never talked to her before. And I was at an event and she said, Oh, I have something for you. And she went out to her car and she brought me this mug. I wish I had it with me. It's a mug with um, Jesus has a, it, doing a face palm and it says, <laughs> OMG, that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. She had great. bought this mug for me and was carrying it around until she ran into me and gave me this mug. It was that's so amazing. lovely. Oh. And I, you know, I think that I think that's a piece of what really charges me up for mm. to be able to teach to say. We have, I mean, Jesus, Buddha, uh, you know, the, the messages of Islam, the messages of, you know, other faith traditions, they're all the same. Mm -hmm. And they are about loving each other, yeah. putting the self under the other and being, uh, you know, being connected, be, belong, having a place to belong, because that's how human beings were created to be, right? So yeah. every faith tradition really, I think, has has unfolded in the same way. And we have these gurus, if you will, like Jesus, who, um, who are pointing to that kind of love ethic. Uh, and I want to point to that. I want to point to that. And I want, I mean, you know, secondarily, I want to change things. <laughs> yes. I want things to be different. Right. And you do a lot of um, a lot of things in the community. I remember yeah. the day that I was um, in your church that, you know, you discuss some of those and, and in, in your bio too, um, just a few of them like safe Medford, Medford's big table, big ideas, a citywide micro food pantry mission. Right. Um, it's you've got you're you're doing a lot of outreach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that um, you know, uh, I mean, speaking in, of that love ethic, 
you know, one of the places that love um, becomes real uh, is in justice and in equity and in service, right? We make love. Love isn't a feeling, it's an action. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an action word, right? Um, and so if we are making love real, we are feeding people who are hungry. We are changing systems. We are making sure that you know, the curriculum that we have in the schools is reflecting the, the, the truth about history. And um, we're taking responsibility for um, those isms that are harming humans all over the planet, right? Um, we're taking responsibility for the environment. Yeah. We're making sure that we're loving um, the earth and changing those things. So um, yeah, we do a lot uh, to, um, express that love in practical ways. Um, and that's exciting. It's important. And it's yeah. an example that shows um, something different than that judgy finger wagging. What's the matter with you? Um, you better go confess before you have this communion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. oh my gosh, that was just, um, that was like stuff that horror movies were made of for me. Right, right, <laughs> right. To go into the little, oh boy. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about that. Um, so one of my last questions is as a woman pastor, a female pastor, do you feel as though there's been ways that you've been able to serve your congregation and your community in different ways than, um, a male pastor? Well, um, I think that, um, Certainly, my way of being a pastor is unique to me. Um, I think everybody has their gifts and graces that they lead with. Um, and some of those gifts and graces that I have are both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I am um, really, really good at getting people to feel comfortable and I'm really warm and I'm uh, I, I, my, the, the gifts called the gift of woo. Mm -hmm. I can get you to like me really, really <laughs> easily. Um, and if I'm not careful, that can cause people to feel like they've been manipulated. Oh. So there is, uh, there's this blessing curse kind of thing with my gifts. But I do think that those, the, the, you know, my, my experience in the 12 steps and as a person in recovery has been a powerful, mm -hmm. has had a powerful impact in my ability to serve people and be with people. Um, my, you know, being a mother means that I can mother, uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, I can, um, excuse me, uh, connect with women who are mothers and, yes. um, and uh, go things. So those roles you know, how we, we connect with people who are like us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So all yeah. of those things that, that are unique to being female mm -hmm. are a factor in mm -hmm. how I'm able to be, um, in the, you know, in my role. Um, being I, female, but excuse me just for one yeah, second, but yeah. also being female, but I, I think also being say, you know, in the second part of our life, but the, you know, over 50, because a lot of those experiences, I mean, you're not a new mom. So you've been a mom for a long time. And, you know, um, you've been in AA for a long time and recovery for a long, a lot of these things too, I think are those gifts of ours become even stronger as we get to be older women. Whereas my viewpoint and often, 
often is that in our society, us women over 50 are often viewed as being becoming less, um, uh, having less gifts to offer. Yeah. Thank you for, for mentioning that, you know, I mean, it's so, I think all of all of your listeners would identify with that um, recognition that, you know, we can go out into the world and be ignored um, because we're not sex objects anymore, or we're not able to bear children anymore. um, Or we're not, you know, we're old, we have wrinkles. We're not, uh, I love British television and, uh, uh, and um, uh, uh, Australian television because the the actresses, the, the actors, the female actors have wrinkles. Uh, and and sometimes bad teeth, right? <laughs> crooked teeth. I love their crooked teeth. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, so thank you for bringing that that uh, circling around to that. And I'd love to say a, a couple of things about that. My, you know, at this point in my life, one of the greatest gifts. There's a um, Richard Rohr, uh, one of my favorite theologians, um, and um, uh, he's a Roman Catholic actually, who's uh, uh, written a lot about recovery, but. Um, he's written a book called um, Falling Upward, and it's uh, it references sort of the two halves of life and the unique nature of what spirituality is like in those two halves of life. Mm. And the gist of his uh, of his uh, message is that, you know, after that we're building, you know, we're building families, we're building homes, we're building careers, we're building uh, an understanding of ourselves in the first half of life. And then we hit this moment where we're not building anymore. We're like living into it. Right. And that's absolutely a part of, of how, uh, how I am able to be in the world as a pastor, as a woman, as a spiritual person, as a, a trusted elder, you know, that, that wise elder condition that I've resisted because who wants to be old. Right. But I am really living into that these days and glad for it. Mm. Uh, And so I get to sit back. This partner that I mentioned that I'm working with is 40 and he's still building. And, you know, there are moments when he wants to be in charge of something. And I say, that sounds great. Let me know how I can help. <laughs> and, and 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 I have really come to understand which of the places in our work together I'm really gifted at and that he wants me to do cuz he knows I'm really gifted at it and there's things that he's actually better than I am even though I'm way more experienced than he is and I think I'm all that sometimes mm-hmm. um there are things that he is really masterful at that I'm not good at right mm-hmm. so I love this this model of being you know whatever it is that we're doing bringing all the gifts and graces to bear people knowing what their gifts and graces are and leaning into that, not trying to be something that they're not, I'm not 40 anymore. And there's stuff that I just don't want to do anymore. And I get to release that because Mm -hmm. I get to be who I am at this point in my life. And oh my gosh, it's really, it's really Mm -hmm. an important aha for me. And it's, I mean, it took me a lot longer than I should have, because it's probably only been about the last you know, maybe like when I turned 60, I was like, oh yeah, 
I'm mm. probably, but because I don't like slowing down at all. And I don't, I'm not very slow. Like I'm so <laughs> energetic and I have so much capacity. I'm counting on working another 10 years. So. <laughs> well, and, and also I think it's the knowing, but it's also um, putting aside being, I think, I don't know, mature enough or lived long enough to be able to put our ego aside to say, exactly, exactly. No, yeah, that isn't my best thing. That's your best thing. So I'll, I'll let you do that. Whereas right. when I'm in my 20s, you know, I would have just thought I work for the Department of Corrections. That's my background. I work for the Department yeah. of Corrections for years with male inmates. And hey, I thought I could do everything better than anybody else, you know. And, you know, if I was in that role right now, I certainly, certainly would feel like there's there's things that I'm really good at. And there's things that he, younger man, man, younger, um, is much better at. And um, but I think that that does come with being able to set aside our ego some too. Yeah. I mean, that's a part of that building, right? We're building, yeah. uh, the, you use the word, we're building our self-confidence. We're building, you know, so we've got to let the ego take more, uh, more control than we probably should in those times when we're still trying to establish ourselves, establish mm -hmm. our identity, establish our, our credentials, mm -hmm. you know, our standing in the field that we're in, whatever. Um, right. Yeah. I'm so done with that now because, and part Part of that is because I really, I really know what I'm good at. I know that I bring huge gifts into the world and that mm -hmm. I'm just spreading love around and that's, that's all I need to do. Yeah. And so I, I don't have to protect myself anymore. And I'm not building that, um, that capacity because it's already in me. And that's a gift of aging and, and experience and uh, uh, aging with, the uh, with with reflection and intention right it's Absolutely. not it just, it just doesn't happen to everybody no. you got to work at understanding and building your humility and building your you know sort of self-awareness and so there's a lot of work in there i've been in therapy for 35 years <laughs> yeah yeah I, i've been in therapy a good part of my life too and been happy to learn super happy yes, to learn. yes yeah yes Yes. And uh, oh my god, remaining gosh. teachable than that, right? Like to be able to get to this point and still be committed to being teachable. Oh my lord, what a blessing! What a blessing! And it makes life so much more interesting. Yes. Even yes, I mean, yes. teaching of so many things, but even like right down to doing this podcast for me was like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about this. Where do I start? And you know, I my love old and you know, just like yeah. the thing. And yeah, it's very I exciting. Love to keep that, yeah. Learning, I love to keep learning, and you know, we could talk all. I could talk with you all day, and um, but I do. I want to wrap it up, and um, I want to let people know where they might be able to find you online because I have a feeling people are going to want to look you up and. Oh. I'm also super excited to, um, and I don't want to embarrass you or whatever, but your photo, I mean, you're, you're a beautiful, beautiful woman in, oh my in every way. And the photo that we're going to be using for the art for this episode. I mean, I wish I took that portrait of you because <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's my thing. You know, it's like, I'm a portrait photographer. Yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. And I love photographing women that are older and charismatic and beautiful and self-confident and I love it so that photo of you is so beautiful but where can people find you online thank you, thank you Nanette so my personal website is revwendy.com r-e-v-w-e-n-d-y.com revwendy 
uh, Rev as in Reverend. Um, and that's what they call me in the community. So I couldn't believe that that web act, um, that URL was even available, but it was. <laughs> um, and then, you know, from there you can find, um, you can find access to the website for my church. Uh, a lot about the things that we were talking about, um, but that is sanctuaryucc.org. Um, and I'm on, um, I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, so Wendy Miller Olapade is my name. Actually, I use all three names and uh, uh, we were, we, I was, I thought we were going to joke about my name. You know, that is a beautiful name, Olapade. Um, okay. It's not my name. It's my <laughs> former husband's name. Um, I tried to go back to Wendy Miller um, after I um, wasn't married to him any longer. And um, I decided that my children, uh, my two sons have that name and I needed to hold on to it. Uh, mm. So I am Wendy Miller Olapade and mm. um, you can find me on Facebook uh, and my, um, my Instagram handle is uh, Rev W D Miller. So there you go. Awesome. And I'll put all those links in the show notes too. So people right. can, if they go to the show notes, they'll be able to click the links and find you. And I think Olapade, like, I, I think that fits you. I think it really fits you. Yeah, it's a beautiful, um, and by the way, uh, it, it fits me and yet it doesn't fit me because it's a Yoruba name. My former husband was, uh, is, is from, um, Nigeria. He's a Yoruba man from Nigeria. So in some ways it totally fits me. Like it's my name. Um, and yet, uh, it's uh, anybody who knows, uh, those cultures would, would pull would would see that that name and say oh wait what what <laughs> as i am as white and northern european as it comes i had my dna done and i'm basically german and english that's all there is <laughs> <with> me, so <laughs> well i think that you're very 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 multi-layered and in, in so many ways and i think maybe your name actually represents that piece too that it's um yeah i i'm thrilled that we had an opportunity to talk and that i had an opportunity to meet you i feel like you know it was a real blessing for me that day to be able to walk into your church and and meet you and I hope to get back there someday I, I live a long way from there yeah but I hope to get back there someday and and walk in and be able to see you in real person real real time I hope so too and I just want to say I love what you're doing I love that you're focusing on women over 50 and I'm so honored that you invited me to be with you for this time it's been I, I, we were both a little teary beforehand and now I'm feeling a little teary as it's coming to a close. So yeah. bless you. you. Um, bless this work and all the people who might um, benefit from it. Thank you so much, Reverend Wendy and um, bless you and all the work that you're doing and um, the people that are coming into your church, having no idea what they're going to experience with you and leaving like I did really a different person. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fire After 50 podcast. Please check the show notes for links and resources to everything we mentioned in this episode. And if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please visit my website at nanettefaygordon.com. And surprise, surprise, I specialize in photographing women over 50. If you'd like more information, you can log on to my website. Thank you for listening.